0: Hello and welcome to Access Chat. I'm delighted that we're joined today by Jordan Saunders. Jordan is the CEO and founder of The Resource Key, um, and we're delighted to have you with us. Jordan, you, lang- uh, your background is in speech and language pathology, But so can you tell us a bit about your work, how you came into the field, and, 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 and what you're doing now, because it sounds really interesting.
1: Yes. So I've been a speech language pathologist for the past 10 years. And one of the biggest things just from working with adults and children was I always would see it more from the therapy room instead of what happens next outside of the therapy room. And when I worked at the School for the Blind, it was a great opportunity because it also had residentials to see different settings outside of the therapy room and that was one of the biggest things that children and adults have told me over the years is the lack of feeling included in the community and i saw firsthand when i was working at that school because i was looking from all different settings the biggest piece of you can do a great therapy have all of these different goals but what happens when you go into the community and on the very simplistic level of simple things that we're not even realizing where we're leaving people out, um, people with disabilities out, those are sometimes even bigger than the goals that I may be working on in therapy. And so from there, I started the resource key because I wanted to ensure that brands were making sure they were being inclusive and not leaving people with disabilities out and social media is where i started in terms of with marketing because we use social media on a daily basis so many different people get their information from social media and there's a real opportunity to make a positive and impact and social change by starting there and building out um, through educating daily um through posts or articles and then from there building with brands and designing and uh or redesigning whatever the case may be so that everyone's included and having that universal design at the core of um brands building
0: excellent and of course you know we we fully agree with you that social media is a powerful way of connecting people and getting through to our message through to to the audience and and building that kind of community so uh, you yeah, know we why we're here on access chat uh, I know Deborah's got a question so I'll hand over to you.
2: Well and Jordan thank you for being on the show today I'm so impressed with your work and I'm familiar obviously with your work because you've been a guest on my show and I've been watching you you and I found each other on social media um, but w- so why do you think identity is so important Jordan and what in these conversations and why do you think that because uh, I know you talk a lot about the intersections and representation matters. And the, even in your signature right now, you have Jordan Saunders, she, her. So I know you're also, um, as as I also, uh, like to really recognize what's happening with the, that part of identity. But why is the work that you're doing as a young, you know, African-American woman living here in the States um, and a speech pathologist, why do you think all these intersections matter to the work that's being done right now?
1: I think it matters because so much of when you go in different spaces in different environments, so much of your identity goes into how you may feel included or excluded. And you can go into a space and there could be a lot of great inclusion initiatives, but if you're not allowing someone, And connecting at a human level and getting to know all of the different things that they represent as an individual or maybe how their background or how they grew up or, you know, for me, how being a a black woman in in different settings and how did I feel excluded? If we're not getting to know those on on a different level than we have been, it really kind of discounts all of the different great initiatives that may be going on. But it becomes more of a surface level, and not the depth that we need in order to make sure we're having um, employees feel included. Make sure in social environments, you know, people are feeling welcome. Because you know, accessibility to me really is looking at all of these things on a different level in terms of everything's interconnected, and and everything plays a role. And identity is such a huge piece of what we are as human beings and the intersectionality component as well. Um, And it also adds to the innovation or all these different things when we're building. And especially when we look at AI and artificial intelligence and, and how it really needs to happen. All of that is being built on a lot of what's happening now and from humans. And so if we're leaving out identity or all of these different things that are integral, integral on a, human level, it's really setting up for failure in terms of as we build technology that is really not inclusive.
2: Yeah, that <clears throat> that is very well said. I love how how you said all that because bringing in our different lived experiences can really add a lot of value to innovation and creativeness. Because I know that a lot of corporations have figured it out. You know, if you take people that are grouped the same way, sort of look the same, and have them look at a part uh, a problem as opposed to bringing in a real diverse team, diverse culturally, diverse you know racially. Diverse gender, disabilities—you, um, we're bringing different lived experiences to the table, and I think that's so powerful. Um, and that's one reason why I am committing to make sure that I support young leaders like you. And I also love that you're—you know—a young leader, this an entrepreneur, and. I like that you not only are watching out for yourself, you are really making sure other stories are heard in a very empowering way. And I just appreciate that. That's one reason we started Access Chat, because all three of us were committed to making sure other voices were being heard. At the time when we started it, um, a lot of the accessibility voices at that time were just coming from the States. And it, there was the term, the accessibility rock stars, but It's great to have a few rock stars, but the reality is we have 1.3 billion people with disabilities in the world. We need everybody on it, uh, all of us on deck, making a difference. So um, I just think that it's very important that people do what I know Access Chat is doing and what you're also doing, Jordan. And we make sure we're inviting others to the table and we're letting them tell their stories. Why do you think that is so important? for other leaders to be doing that for younger leaders and for all leaders for that matter that might maybe are not, that haven't been noticed yet by, um, you know, the community, the industry.
1: Yeah, I think stories are such a great starting point, really, because it's not as technical too. A lot of times, you know, when you're telling stories, it's anyone can listen to a story and. It's your story, so there's really no right or wrong in that. And you know, when we look at anything surrounding diversity, equity, inclusion, um, any initiative, it's really needs to start with stories because a lot of it is is comfort level going people going out of their comfort level to be able to sit and understand a different lens than their own. And it's also too when you talk about the intersectionality, it's some of that comes into the stories, and when we're looking at anything surrounding DEI, a lot of it sometimes is being okay. Let's take on um, initiatives related to women, or let's take on initiatives related to Black Lives Matter, or let's take on initiative, and uh, we're kind of segmenting and excluding. what although we're we're trying to be more inclusive and 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 take on, but really it's like let's talk about the intersectionality of all of these different lenses. You know, I'm a Black woman. I'm not just a a woman today and tomorrow I'm Black. You know, all of this comes with the package every day. So when we're looking at that, I I think that's really core in terms of, all right, let's look at it on an inclusionary level with all of these different lenses. And we don't know, you know, on a surface level when we meet someone, we don't know until their stories told we get to know people more or their backgrounds, their origin, how they grew up, or, you know, maybe their family, they grew up in a different um, family than maybe you assume that they grew up in. And so all of these different things come in the form of stories and storytelling. And it's also a very neutral way of just listening to be able to understand there's Know, right or wrong. You can just sit there and listen. Not, all right. You, you got that right. You were able to implement this. And so you we're checking off a box. It's really just like sit and listen for a little bit and, and get to know what it is because that helps to write a better story for how we're developing, you know, businesses, whatever it may be. Um, and, and you have a different lens and you may not Go back and implement that initiative that you were about to implement. It may look a lot
2: different. Yeah, well, well said. I have one more question, and then I'll turn it over to Neil and Antonio. or it's sort of a comic question, but last week on access chat, we were talking to about apprenticeships. And one thing that, I I know a lot of us are worried about in our industry right now, whether you look at it from the accessibility lens or the disability inclusion or both, there's just not enough people that understand the complexity of these issues in the field. And I know that when uh, the United States, just for a second, looking at the lens from our country, when the United States started really pressuring corporations to include us, the corporations, one of the response was to take out some of our most talented accessibility um, talents and bring them into the corporation. And they could afford to pay them really well and good benefits, which, yay, that's wonderful. And a lot of these talented people were individuals with disabilities. And so when but at the same time, it sort of gutted our industry and we didn't have enough people anyway. So I love the work that ATOS has done um, with their apprenticeships and really getting not j- just taking talented young people and starting to teach them, but it's, of course, is a long process. And we talked about it all last week, and they're very focused on making sure diverse people are um, culturally diverse also are being included. And I I don't know if you've seen that in the time that you've been in this industry as well, that there's not enough talent uh, and I hate to say it like that. We have the talent, but there's not a lot, not enough knowledge with the talent to really do the work that we've all committed to. Especially if you just look at the lens of the amazing Dr. Caroline Casey with the Valuable 500. I know Neil is on that board of directors. We're really excited about that as Access Chat. But you know how how do we make sure that programs like they did with ATOS, at the apprenticeships? Um, can be expanded into other countries, into other corporations, but also that we make sure that, you know, we're looking at it from these intersectionalities and cultural differences. And all, like you said, the, all the other intersectionalities, the women and stuff. Um, I know you're not an expert on an apprenticeship, so I'm not asking from that. I'm just curious what you think about, um corporations that are really stepping up like ATOS to make sure that they're not just looking around and trying to grab, they're actually trying to make sure there is talented people with diversity all over the world that can help solve some of these big problems.
1: Yeah, that's a great question. Um, So my thoughts on that are, well, there's two pieces. I think the leadership in which that the apprenticeships are developing, like there needs to be um, disability leaders and all of the different people and the intersectionalities that you're trying to represent. I think that needs to be with over some of those different programs um, to be able to have program that's sustainable as well. Um, As well as I think there's a big disconnect sometimes, you know, with You have different skills and skill sets that you're wanting, but sometimes you want it immediately or you want the person to already come. And so I think there's definitely value in companies that take the time to build out apprenticeship programs because that's speaking to longevity and investment and you value and and you want these different individuals to be able to grow with your company. And you're willing to do what it takes and you're willing to put in the time and the effort because all those things require the time and the effort. It's not a fast, quick, all right, they're ready to go and, and, and someone's, you know, onboarding. Um, and I think that's a lot sometimes of the disconnect of we want things quickly and right now and we're not sometimes willing to put in that the time that it takes to be able to get to that point you know, we, we want people to stay on the job longer, but what are you doing to, to feel that your employees are valued and also the trainings, like what, okay. Like what trainings are you offering? Like, what things are you asking, like your employees, what do you need? And are you putting things in place where, you know, cause if I see a apprenticeship, usually, you know, you're like, okay, there's, this company has taken the time to not only build out something like this, but they're really wanting to invest in having, you know, employees long-term or making sure that they have the skills that they need. It's not just, okay, we can't take you on because you don't have what it takes or we don't have the program or we don't have the time to be able to it's it's. And so I think it's some of that goes back to, from my perspective, um, goes back to like the time, like being like the patients. And a lot of times we want things very quick and it's the disconnect too of things are moving even faster now, especially when um, everything happened with COVID and you, we're having to shift in different ways that we haven't shifted before. And so immediately you're, you're wanting a fast, something quick. And so that's kind of the mindset that sometimes is taken on too on a, at a business level is we we don't have the time to like wait for training or like three weeks for this six weeks for this a month it's like we want it immediately and so that's what I think in terms of from my perspective of how I view um, I definitely think there's value in it but sometimes I think there's a disconnect in terms of the the time and the and the investment that sometimes companies wanting to take based on where they feel they need to invest in at
0: the time. So, so, So I think that some of this is really hard because, um, particularly in our profession where we have now this huge tsunami of demand, because people are waking up to the fact that they need to do accessibility and they're, they're desperate for skills because their organization doesn't have it. They're going out to market and they're not finding people. And so, uh, to a certain extent, what we need to encourage them to do is to actually think that that the, the time to actually find a good candidate could well be invested in training because actually what you then get is someone that believes that you believe in them rather than getting people that don't really uh, you know, meet the needs or don't really have the skills or the well-rounded training. And um, that's quite often the case, and it's something that's sort of is a challenge for the for the accessibility industry. because there is demand, because there aren't enough people, uh, y- you do get people that uh, are in roles that they're not necessarily qualified to do. Um, that's not the same as imposter syndrome, by the way, because we all have that. We all believe that we're in roles that we're not qualified to do, right? Because I think that that in a in a job like this where we're breaking new ground all the time, there's a a good deal of discomfort in, in some of the things that we're doing because they're new and because they haven't been done before, and we're to, having to push the boundaries both for our our own personal boundaries and organizational and societal boundaries. So I think that the, you know we, we need to you know, understand the difference between you know feeling challenged and, 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 and um, maybe not totally qualified and, and genuinely people without the right skills to do the job because accessibility is technical um so we want uh, we we definitely want to invest in the long term skills because we desperately need them and not just as our organisation the reason we set up the the apprenticeship standard was because we believe that you know you need a wider pool and it's not just for our organisation uh on on top of that i think that when you are able to take people at a level below um university education you are almost by default going to get a much more diverse candidature because you're opening up the possibility to people that haven't had the same sort of level of privilege and opportunity in life. And so that's really important to me because I, I believe that everyone should have the chance to get a career intake and get training. And and as uh, as we just we went through last week, you know that on the job training enables you to have money to be able to do this. And, and not everyone can afford to go to university, especially in places where fees are so high like the, the US, where you, you you know you're going to saddle yourself with you know many tens of thousands of dollars of debt. So so I think there's real value in that. Um, there's value in creating a resource pool of people that can make the world more accessible. At the same time, I think that we want to also look at how we can break up some of this into chunks that we can speed things up because there is this transformation going on there are all of these demands and 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 so we both need deep experts and people with expertise in a particular area that matches their job so so those are those are sort of the things that we're we're thinking about and looking at now and then just going back to your point uh about intersectionality and, and um that i think that's really super important as well because um when we were doing work with the institute of coding we were uh which is a uk public private partnership with universities and so on trying to get people uh, broadening participation into s- s- science technology um engineering maths subjects uh the the focus was really how do we get more women in and and they asked me <laughs> A blue-eyed, blonde, six-foot-tall white male to be the head of the diversity board, and 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 I said yes because I I, I have some hidden diversity characteristics. I I'm, you know, I have a couple of hidden disabilities, but what I really pushed for was for us to take a wide view of of diversity, and I think that what we want is um, organisations that are reflective of society at large. So so when we talk about diversity, it's in all of its glory. It's it's like a mirror to to, to society. Uh, And and when we've got organisations that reflect the society we live in, then our job is more or less done. But since we don't, we've still got jobs and we've still got work to do. So how do you go about, through your social media campaigns and your branding, Working with clients to um, to sort of get those messages out there and encourage the clients to attract that diverse audience, that diverse workforce, etc.
1: Yeah, one of the biggest things is is that educational piece um, because a lot of times people are sometimes hesitant or they don't know what it is that they need to, or they think that they're doing like a a wonderful job where they're at or they've done it. And so I think it's just really like educating in very short bites and, and snippets of information to not overwhelm because there's so much information. And especially for me, I'm very, you know, when I do something, it's very much like, aggressive and just I'm going and I'm not stopping until, you know, I get it, whatever it is done. But I, when you are not looking at from that lens, it's like you have to break it up. And so that's one of the biggest things that is super important is breaking up the educational information and aligning as it relates to the industry. Uh, And so I think that's really huge because a lot of times we're starting at people are starting at the point from what they know. you know, uh, just as human beings, I think we start at the point. we connect a lot of times to people that may have similar experiences or, oh, i I like that kind of ice cream too, or things like that, but it's that connection piece. So a lot of times, if it's specific industry, finding information that is aligned with that industry, um so if it's you know fashion industry, you know there's, Maybe an article or educational material that's aligned with fashion industry, or oh, this is you know some of the companies. These are different ways that maybe they're designing products, or from a marketing standpoint, including people with disabilities. Um, So I may not be sending educational information as it relates to you know like a a car company or something like that um, because it's not going to be very relevant and. And that particular from that particular perspective, because it's not aligned with their industry and they're not going to be able to have an understanding of where to start or maybe some different ideas. And so I think that's one of the biggest things that is key is aligning um, to make sure that information is it's relevant. It's still moving forward. And it's also information that they can digest. Um, because a lot of what's happening is, is, is people are getting overwhelmed. They're wanting to move quickly <laughs> and fast and whatever direction it may, may seem may be a g- good fit, but it's really like quickly and fast is great, but making sure you quickly and fast in a, in a, in a direction that, um, is, is is making sense and that will be sustainable and not quickly and vastly we we did it and now we're on to something else um because i think all of this is learning as well as you're moving um because all of it's continuing to change every day and and i think that's something that i always stress as well it's we're learning together you know there's things that you may see that I may not have seen or something that may have changed that I may not have changed. And I think if we create spaces and safe spaces and environments to be able to have these conversations and to know that we're, we're still learning even though this is what I'm focused on and making sure like people with disabilities, I align with different people with disabilities and also too that have lived experiences because I'm non-disabled um, in different industries. So that's the other thing, like uh, if it's uh, I'm saying fashion because that's coming to the top of my mind. But if it's fashion, someone in the fashion industry with lived experience, um, because it's really all of that aligning. And then you have it from the perspective and those stories that we talked about um, and and different experiences. And I think that is one of the key things um, that is important in terms of moving forward, um, because. Yeah, we just can't. I mean, even as speech-language pathologist, accessibility looked a lot different when I was solely doing direct therapy. I worked at the School for the Blind. You know, I was um, adapting books to make them tactile, or I was um, making sure that each student had whatever they need to make sure they're successful in the school environment. But I didn't know anything about the intricacies of website accessibility or, um, you know, alt, alternative text or alt tax. Like I knew nothing about these things. So I learned, I was learning all of that when I was, you know, shifting gears. And that's, I think, um, also access was like, oh, do you have access, access was used in terms of access to resources that you need or, or financially, maybe we're not able to aff- afford this piece of technology so what are the other options that we're able to to use and and so I think that's really important too because I think sometimes um people feel like they need to know it all like in order to move forward and I think that becomes a barrier versus getting started um working with um businesses like you know neil like what what you have you all have created is it sounds incredible and and aligning i think aligning with different people to know like even when people come to me and like website accessibility i there's you know i can re- reach out to an organization that i have already created relationships with so building relationships is super important because you're not going to know it from every single aspect and you need to be able to not drop the ball and say hey I don't know. I'm sorry. Because that may be the opportunity that the person's ready to move forward. And then now it's becoming more difficult because they're not able to get what they need a lot quicker. Then now they're going to have to go out and find someone, which is is fine. But a lot of times, you know, I may not know and I may not be able to say, I don't know. But if I've created this network of different professionals that are experienced and have years of experience, and they're in these different spaces that a client that's coming to me is asking and I'm not able to provide you those services. I'm going to say, if I have, if I know someone to be able to refer out so that we can keep the, everything moving and there's not that drop and, and someone gets frustrated because it's now becoming more challenging.
3: Uh, the the job of uh, diversity leadership in organizations is definitely not new. Um, and some organizations have been trying to move into the space, creating frameworks, projects over, over, over the years. Uh, but uh, today, and to the topic of, of our, our conversation, we we seen brands addressing the topic of of inclusion, creating products, uh, making campaigns, uh, trying to look at the, creating, uh, trying to, to serve the broader community. But sometimes people look at them, okay, this organization is selling services that I like, I want to buy. Maybe I want to apply for a job. And then people get disappointed because the organization who just created this amazing product that I can use doesn't want to hire me. Or when I apply for a job, I don't see anyone that looks even like me and then i realized well uh, i don't know if they're here for me for society or just for my money so how do we we how do we address this
1: yes that's that's a great question so disability leadership or i go back to making sure that you have advisors and different people that you're trying to represent in diversity, equity, inclusion, you need to have each of those individuals from different lens on within your team or on your board, Um, as well as I think it goes down to even what you're saying in terms of even on a smaller level, looking at the framework of how, because this stuff is embedded, like I don't, when I look at DEI or diversity, equity, inclusion, I see it as embedded in the work that I'm doing and embedded in everything that I'm doing, you know, from a individual level of out in the community to a business level in terms of embedded in the process. Um, So because if you're doing a campaign, sometimes you have these big campaigns, but even on the smallest level, you can, Sometimes tell if, let's say I have, you have a video and you're talking about maybe people with disabilities, but you're not including them in the video. And if you're including them in the video, the representation of how you included them in the video is not authentic maybe to their experience. So maybe it could be the simplest thing as um, the wheelchair is not, does not look how a wheelchair, maybe it's an animated cartoon or whatever it may be, and it doesn't even look like what it is supposed to look like so those are smaller things that like people can see through okay did you advise did you get with someone and advise in different types of disabilities um so anyways i say that to say it just needs to be not only from a campaign level um embedding it throughout your process so onboarding, you know, do you have materials? Have you at the interview process, do you have you asked if anyone needs accommodations? And that's for anyone, but embedding it and giving them the opportunity to say yes or no. Um not just if you think someone has a disability. Um, and then onward, you know, after some is onboarding in your positions, really just continuing to have different um workshops or different collaborative conversations or or sessions where you can come together but i think it really just has to be embedded from on every level in order for it to continue because if not it's piecemealed and you're having a campaign one month and then two months later you may be doing a training and then that's it until the next month of a maybe a particular campaign or another one so um,
2: jordan we're, uh, we're almost yeah, we're, out of time oh. But, but well, but I want to ask you one more question and then I'm going to turn it over to Neil, but um, to close, but. I remember Dr. Greg Vanderheiden, who I'm a big fan of. He once said years ago at an IEEE meeting that we needed to be more welcoming to new people moving into the industry. And he made a comment that we have to stop eating our young, which is a terrible thing to say. But I found that when I came into the disability industry as a person that looked like I didn't have a disability, I, like Neil, have invisible disabilities, plus I'm a mom. Um, of a daughter with disabilities and a wife of a husband that has aged into disabilities. But um, it was really, really not welcoming. I almost felt like some people were actually trying to trip me up I mean, I was shocked at, because I'd come from the financial industry, which I hadn't, I'd experienced some of that, some of that, but I was just surprised because I thought, well, I actually can help. Don't you want me to come in and help you? But I was just curious how, if you've experienced some of that, you're obviously much younger than me, but you've come into the industry later than me, obviously, because you're younger than me, but um. I believe it's so important that we welcome entrepreneurs with and without disabilities that want to make a difference to our community with open arms and we support them. We try to tell their stories sort of like what I've been doing with you, because I love your work. I love your writing. I love your energy. But I was just curious um, if you hopefully had a better experience moving into the industry and that you felt more welcomed. Uh, but I believe that's a huge issue that we need to look at around the world. And so I just wanted to let you address that and then you'll turn it over to you to close.
1: Yeah, that's a cr- a really great question. Uh, yeah, I've had, you know, pushback in terms of what you're, oh, that's not correct. Or, or how, what you, this is, Right. Or, or are you like even experienced in this or, or things like that? And, you know, I'm just like, oh, thank you so much for your feedback. um That's it truly takes the community because it really does. Um, and I, you know, welcome any resources that you have to continue my, you know, exploration or education. Um, so I don't really take it personal, I think, at this point, um, because. I can understand from the other side where it's like maybe you have different people entering because, oh, it's like everyone's talking about it or this is like DEI is like a buzzword now and like you're just jumping on the bandwagon maybe for the money. So people have different perspectives of like why people are entering. And I think sometimes that could cause like, are you really in it for the long haul or are you really in it like just to be in it because it's it's popular or something now? Um, and so for me, I just, I I have had different experiences, but I continue to just push forward because, you know, the work that I'm doing is not only in, in front, it's also behind the scenes. And I think that's a lot of times people don't realize a lot of the stuff that happens behind the scenes is just as important in terms of what you're doing with things that maybe people see more articles or or whatever it may be. So I'm, not going anywhere. (laughs) So I, I don't really let it bother me. Whereas I could see how, like maybe if it was, um, some different and I have developed tougher skin, I think from being in different environments where I've had to kind of, you know, go through problem solve or troubleshoot. So that's a great question. And, and yeah, I, I think, um, I'm excited about continuing, but yeah, it is a good question. And yes, and answer to your question, I have had it, but I'm not letting it stop me.
2: <laughs> right. <laughs> then you can welcome others behind you, because that's what we all have to do. Um, so, Neil, let me yes. turn it over to you. Yeah. 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 And,
0: and, yeah, bravo, because, I mean, don't give up. I, I, I Obviously, we, we, we respect the nothing about us without us mantra, but that doesn't mean exclusively us. Right. So, so so that's the thing. And, and and yes, of course, we have to work with and for the community, but it doesn't mean that that the community is a silo. So, you know, don't be discouraged by, by these things. And we encourage people to, to come forward to work as part of this movement. So thank you very much for your time today. It's been a real pleasure. We look forward to chatting with you on Twitter. And we also need to thank Barclays Access, MyClearText and Microlink for keeping the lights on and and supporting us all this time.
1: Thank you for having me.